Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richards Cafe, TechSend Senior Residential Care Homes, ATB Painting, and Performance Food Group. Poor Richards Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richards Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Raglan and Brian Murphy. On today's podcast, we are going to, I guess, bid adieu to 2018 with our last football podcast of the year. It's been a great season, and um, as such, as we've, um, as has been the case for uh, well for quite a while now, we always close down football season by assembling what has, at least in previous years, been our all Collin County football team, where we recognize the standout football players from, you know, the Plano area, Allen, McKinney, so forth, all of our schools that fall within Collin County. Well, this year, for the first time ever, we are blowing that up and letting everybody in on the fun. We are going to be unveiling our first ever all-area football team, so all of the public schools under the Star Local Media coverage umbrella are going to be recognized. Um, and we're, we're in the process of assembling the uh, the first ever all-area team. That's going to be released later on in, uh, in January. But um, as we did last year, after football season, in anticipation of the release of the uh, the all county team, we um, we came up with um, some cutting room floor superlative awards. Now for the actual. You know, all area team. We have our our six superlatives that we've had for years with the all county teams. You know, your your typical ones like your MVP, offensive and defensive player of the year, coach of the year. You know, and then we have a couple more off the beaten path ones. You know, utility player of the year and assistant coach of the year. So we had a few though that um you know you could make a case should have uh, warranted a spot on there for a superlative, but they just fell through the cracks onto the cutting room floor. So we're going to pick them back up and we're going to discuss them for this podcast. So um, we're going to have the entire staff's going to participate in this. Mm-hmm. We've got three categories for this. Three categories, three superlatives that just missed the cut. Uh, Newcomer of the year, performance of the year, and game of the year. We had some fun with this idea last year, so we're going to bring it back, close out 2018 in style, and um, and yeah, gentlemen, let's uh, let's get rolling. Let's talk uh, Let's talk newcomer of the year. A, a popular superlative on any all-district list, um, just missed the cut for our all-area team. So nevertheless, let's talk a bit about some of the more promising newcomers that we saw this season. Brian, 
Give me your newcomer of the year. Logan Point at running back. You know, he wasn't the full-time starter last year. Salina, we should say. Salina yeah. running back, yeah. uh, giving Salina some love, giving the Bobcats some love mm. there. Uh, he, he kind of emerged at the end of his sophomore season and was like, man, who is this kid? This kid's a beast. Uh, and then he just got even stronger and stronger and stronger in the offseason going into his junior year. Uh, this past fall, he was going to be the guy. And, boy, he took off. He took over that role. He was, you know, this unquestioned MVP of that offense, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt about it. Uh, he ran for over 1,600 yards, had 22 rushing touchdowns. He had three more receiving touchdowns. And he missed a game uh, in the regular season. And he also was rested mm-hmm. much of the game against Anna. Uh, so, you know, that's without two more games there, or a game and a half. Yeah. Uh, his stats are just ridiculous. He's a monster. He's going to have a terrific senior season next season. I actually had a running back as well for my uh, for my newcomer of the year selection, and this one was out of Plano Senior High, uh, Tylen Hines. You know, coming into this season, you knew that Plano was going to have a strong running game. I mean, we've seen for years what Kyron Cummings has been able to do as the as the fulcrum for that rushing attack, plus Cody Christ. And then they add this third element. You know, Tylen Hines in his first year with uh, with Plano. You know, just a sophomore, <coughs> and you know, you think of what has made Kyron Cummings stand out over the years. And that's his ability to go, you know, to go to the house on any given play. Mm-hmm. Just his big play, game-breaking ability. Well, imagine a sophomore version of Kyron mm-hmm. Cumbie in the same offense, and that's what Tylen Hines was. He um, he had 75 carries on the season uh, for 779 yards, so 10.4 yards per carry, wow. um, 11 total touchdowns. Um, he was banged up a little bit midway through the season, um, but really came on strong down the stretch. He had 248 rushing yards against Jesuit, 131 the following week against McKinney Boyd. Was really a Really helped, kind of a uh, you know, really contributed big to that uh, to that surge that Plano made late in the season to put him just within uh, with an earshot of getting a playoff berth. Um, and yeah, it, it's obviously lays a uh, you know, but Plano's had a a pretty uh, a pretty impressive line lineage of, of mm-hmm. running backs, I should say. You know, dating all the way back to you know the late two thousands with Rex Burkhead, you know, current New England Patriot, you know, and then guys like Brandon Stevens, you know, these past few years, and then Kyron Cumby, and now it seems like the the torch will be passed now to. Uh, to Talon Hines to be the uh, the bell cow of that backfield next season, and uh, yeah, I mean you see what he was capable of this year. Very much a very a sophomore year, very comparable to what Kyron Cumbie showed. And if that's what's in store for Plano, then their running game is not going anywhere. Nope. So um, yeah, that was my pick for uh, for newcomer of the year, Taylor. Uh, where'd you land on this one? I'll go to the other side of the ball since you guys both had offensive players. Um, it was a weird year for me. I covered a lot of senior-heavy teams. Yeah. You know, the Plano East and Plano West are typically that way, being in the top four biggest schools in the state, but Lovejoy and Lake Dallas were both also very senior-heavy. So not a lot of real impactful, you think freshman, sophomore, when you think newcomer mostly. I mean, yeah. some juniors. But um, I'll go R.W. Rucker from Lovejoy because, you know, he, he really burst on the scene in, in that secondary for Lovejoy. Um, 90 tackles, five interceptions, um, a fumble recovery, uh, a forced fumble, and then I think four or five pass breaks. Breakups. So, you know, just a really impactful year uh, from a young guy and, and playing a lot of, you know, that was a district that we talked about at the beginning of the year as being, you know, kind of the district of the quarterback. You mm-hmm. think of, you know, Josh Foskey, you think of Ryan Depperschmidt, Carson Collins himself for Lovejoy, yep. um, even Dennison, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but their quarterback, their young quarterback is, is very promising. So a lot of good offensive play in that district. So uh, he was up for newcomer of the year. I don't think he won. He came a couple votes shy, ended up on all the way down on the second team, I think, but really deserving of of, of the nods that he got and the recognition uh, and the votes that he did get because I think he had a really good year in that secondary for uh, 
you know, what was a, a pretty good Lovejoy defense at times. It, it was a little bit, you know, it was uh, a little bit lost and trying to find its way at times without Bumper Pool. I mean, who wouldn't be? But, yeah. you know, Rucker and, and company, Coleman Christensen, and, and some of those other defensive players for Lovejoy had a pretty good season, and, and he led the way, I think. Let's talk performance of the year, and we can go a bunch of different directions with this one. It can either be an individual one, it can be a team-wide one, all sorts of different options for our, uh, our performance of the year selections. Brian, where did you land on this one? I was hoping you'd call my name because <laughs> a nice little segue, yeah. speaking of the Lovejoy defense, yeah. now they, they played fairly well most of the yeah. year, but there was yeah. one game yeah. where they kind of laid an egg, uh, and that was against Frisco Reedy. They gave up 562 total yards of yeah. offense. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just Josh Foskey. It was nope. the whole Lions team was feasting uh, against the Leopards, and the, the Lovejoy offense kind of laid an egg also. Yeah. Uh, three first downs, 84 total yards, held scoreless. Uh, I mean, uh, going into that game, it was like, man, this is going to be a high-scoring blow. Out yep. or not blow high scoring shootout I should say, and man that was it was the furthest thing from it. You know that was the the win that Reedy notched under its belt. That was like hey, yeah. all right, this team is more than just legit. Yep. This team they could, did that could, to could quite a few state, people yeah. this year I would say. Starting with Plano S, another one of my mm-hmm. schools. I mean they Reedy was a Reedy was a force. Yeah, Could, that was no doubt about it. Because weren't they both undefeated heading into that game, or did Lovejoy have um, a loss on its record? I, I think they might have been, but Lovejoy it was always Lovejoy really had up one in the less air. game because they never. Yeah, they had the like Sulphur Springs, Springs game. Yeah. It, I think they were undefeated, but it was really up in the air because they played like the Frisco schools. Yeah. And yeah, they hadn't really. This was like the big test, and we all I think took Reedy, but we expected it to be. Oh yeah, forty-two yeah. twenty-eight. Nobody could have foreseen fifty-one-zero like, coming. Yeah, it was that was something. Uh, Taylor, where did you land on your performance of the year? Well, I'm going to give mine to Plano East senior quarterback Brandon Mallory. Um, mm-hmm. Twofold, you know, I'll, I'll go with his overall body of work. Yeah. You know, the area's leading passer for you know pretty much all of the year. Finished with you know over 3,200 yards mm-hmm. passing, wow. um, 201 for 328, 36 touchdowns to eight picks. And I think those eight picks a lot of times are also just high volume picks yeah. because you know sometimes quarterbacks. Um, and, and a little bit lower volume passing games are a little bit more efficient. They're not taking as many chances. Mm. So he, he made some bad decisions, but I think you look 36 to 8, that could have even been a okay. little lower. A little but they just, like four, three of those picks in against yeah, Plano? Like, yeah, and they just throw the ball so much, yeah. too. So, I mean, it, it's it's tough to gauge that sometimes. But, yeah, so he gets performance of the year not only for his entire body of work, but then I look at the, uh, the Dallas Jesuit game. Um, you know, really the one everybody thought they were going to get in the playoffs, uh, but it wasn't, no, you know, for sure. They needed to they go out. to work for that one. Yeah, they <laughs> needed to go out and win that game and it, and it ended up being a tighter game than I think some people thought but Mallory in that win that, that helped clinch the playoffs was 16 for 20 323 yards, 5 touchdowns and no picks. So I think his his most prolific numbers wise game of the year mm-hmm. um, and, and really indicative of what that guy could do um, especially you know the Jesuit defense wasn't super great all year so if you give him the time and the space to make his decisions that that guy's got a an arm that that i think could translate you know to the next level and, and he had a great year to to prove it uh for mine kind of like you brian i went with a more uh, more team-wide one not so much team but i guess a a, a unit i should mm-hmm. say and this was uh this was plano seniors offense in their performance um in their second game of the season all the way back on like september 7th i want to say against el paso eastwood their first ever meeting with uh mm-hmm. with eastwood 
Driftwood, a, a game that had a lot of uh, just because of the uniqueness of you know a team from El Paso making the trip to uh, you know mm-hmm. to the Metroplex to play Plano. Um, just some intrigue on just how that would fare, and it turned out being just a uh, just a wild, fun, and crazy game. Yeah. The final score in this one was seventy-two to forty-eight. This was Plano's highest scoring performance since nineteen thirty-nine. Yikes! Their fourth highest scoring performance all time, and you think this is? I mean, this is a program that dates back to the you know the early nineteen hundreds. Um, they had, a, and it was so unique in how that it materialized too. So Plano finished with four hundred and fourteen yards of offense in this game, and they did so on just twenty-five offensive snaps. Wow. Yeah. I remember you coming in the next day, and that was literally the first thing. Like I sat down at my desk, and you're like, "Listen to this! Like, listen to this stat." They were outsnapped in this game, one hundred five to twenty-five, <laughs> by Eastwood, and they still rolled up over four hundred yards of offense through three quarters. That offense was averaging fifteen point nine yards per play. Wow. Um, and the, the, the capper do it all. They didn't score in the first quarter. Plano was scoreless in the first quarter of that game and still wound up with 72 by the end. They had a couple defensive touchdowns mixed in. But, I mean, after that scoreless first quarter, the offense just caught fire. They scored on nine consecutive possessions, five total one-play touchdown drives in this game. Here was, I went just through, like, the second quarter. They had 33 points alone in the second quarter. They had eight snaps, okay? Here's how those eight snaps went. Run, pass, touchdown, touchdown, run, run, touchdown, touchdown. Wow. And you had a pick six uh, mixed in as <laughs> what well. What happened on like those other four? <laughs> Why didn't they go yeah. the touchdown play? I know it was. So yes, four of your eight plays in a single quarter result in touchdowns. I mean, it was. It was. And then you had like on defense, you had Scott Albrecht, who had a. I believe he had three interceptions, two of which resulted in pick sixes. So you had a very unique defensive individual performance for Plano as well. Just a uh, yeah, just a wild game against Eastwood. Where I mean, the defense like because this like they still gave up forty eight points because the defense was so gassed because they were mm-hmm. on the field for so long, and the offense like. They just they kept on scoring. They scored it <laughs> seemingly at will, and it was um yeah it was such a such a weird game to watch firsthand. All that unfold. I mean yeah, just uh, a game that still to this day is like I'm probably not going to be forgetting that game anytime soon. Just one of the more unique games I've I've ever seen, <laughs> as far as but it wasn't the best game that I saw. That one and I'll lead off our our game of the year uh, superlative. That one belonged to uh, Allen against Duncanville. Sorry Eagles, I'm going to make you I'm going to make y'all drudge up this uh, this memory one last time. The, the Class 6A Division 1 state semifinals, uh, Duncanville defeats Allen 44-35 to in a game that obviously had a ton of hype going in, naturally, with both teams being undefeated. You know, Allen being the, the team du jour in, uh, you know, in, in Texas high school football for the last, you know, 6, 7, 8 years and whatnot. And a chance for Duncanville to notch, you know, one of the big wins in its program's <laughs> history. Probably in hindsight, you know, with the exception of maybe the state title win in 1998, maybe the biggest win yeah. in in the program's history since then. And, um, I mean, yeah, this game lived up to the hype and then some. I mean, if you guys don't remember how it happened, I mean, Allen was down 21 points at the half. You know, Duncanville just showcasing it. I mean, they're, they're the big plays that they racked off on the ground, you just don't see teams roll up, you know, gains like that. They had like a 90-yard touchdown on one play. They started off the game with a, I believe it was a 73-yard touchdown. I mean, you just don't see Allen get hit with those kinds of runs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it put Allen in uncharted waters, being down thirty-five to fourteen at the half. Allen then goes on to tie the game up in the third quarter alone with twenty-one unanswered points on a Duncanville defense that hadn't allowed a single point in the third quarter mm-hmm. all season. And even then, in the, uh, in the state title game, Northrop didn't score him in the third quarter. So Allen was the only team to score on Duncanville in the third quarter, and they did so three times. <laughs> Just how improbable that stat sounds now in hindsight. So yeah, they tied it up thirty-five, thirty-five. Allen couldn't get 
get over the hump, though. They had a couple shots at that go-ahead drive, couldn't materialize, and then Duncanville finally took the lead with about 3.02 left in the game on a, a 40-yard touchdown run by Jaquindon Jackson on fourth down, no less, uh, to retake the lead for Duncanville, 42-35. Two plays into Allen's following series, they get a safety, and uh, for the uh, you know for the nine point lead by Duncanville and that was uh, that was all she wrote. So in hindsight, you know some impressive resilience by Allen to make that comeback. Um, impressive resilience then by Duncanville to withstand that and still find a way to win because I mean Duncanville hadn't been pushed like that at all mm-hmm. up to that point. So I mean you think a lot of teams might crack under that under mm-hmm. that you know a scenario like that where you have just the Allen the Allen barrage you know in the uh, in the second half and no yeah fair play to Duncanville for the job that they did pulling that one out. Unfortunately. The, with the way the game the following week ended for them, you know, that was a, that was a tough one against North Shore, but nevertheless, a uh, a thriller of a game against Allen. And, uh, my pick, at the very least, at least among the public schools. Now, if we're factoring in private schools, that Prestonwood St. Pius rematch in mm-hmm. September, that also is right on there in terms of just sheer entertainment value. But for just factoring in the UIL programs, Allen Duncanville State semifinals gets my pick. Uh, Brian, what was your game of the year? It's no surprise what my pick is. <laughs> the the hook and ladder game yes. between the Colony and Frisco Lone Star. Yeah. Both teams were 3-0 and heading into this game. Middle of district play, middle of October. You know, we hi- we had this game highlighted when we talked about, you know, the, the our teams before the season. We were like, man, the district's going to come down to that game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. something had to give going into that game. Uh, much like every other Lone Star game this year, it was a defensive battle. Yeah. They, ha- they contained the Colony, something that no team could do uh, – throughout the regular season. Uh, they limited Miles, Miles Price. They limited Keith Miller. They limited Mikey Harrington until the very last play <laughs> of the game. And right before that, Julian Larry had connected with Marvin Mims for the game-tying touchdown uh, with a minute 52 to go, a 57-yarder. The Lone Star offense wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. up until that point. Um, they had scored... Um, in the first quarter, they got the touchdown in the first quarter. They didn't do anything. They didn't score. They, they, they didn't find the end zone again until the fourth with a minute 52 left. And it was like, wow, okay, we might be heading to overtime. That's, you know, that's what it's looking like. Mm-hmm. Fourth and long, uh, 60 yards away, sixty almost 60 yards away for the colony. This one's over. I'm recording just in case, you know, what, you know, crazy things can happen. And the craziest thing did happen. Uh, Harrington throws a pass across the middle to, to Keith Miller. And then he, a few seconds later, he runs across the middle, flicks it back to Miles Price, you know, the, one of the most electrifying players in the state. Yeah. And he just scampers down the sideline untouched and... Everyone just went nuts, and you know my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it, and there was no flags, and the colony went nuts, and they went on to to win the district title. First time you'd ever seen a hook and ladder in person. Oh yeah, that's the first time I've seen one since. OU Boise State, especially <sighs> successful. Yeah, it's one thing to see it, but they usually just go completely yeah. awry somewhere. Oh yeah, in the you middle usually of it. see it, and then they'll yeah. try all these things, and they'll fumble it, and the game's over, yeah. and it yeah. just everything it goes has to nowhere. be perfect. And but watching, I, yeah, watching that video of your play, like everything was perfect. Like oh, the yeah. pitch to Price mm-hmm. was so on the money; he never even broke stride. It was just mm-hmm. all like the stars aligned. And, and Coach Rangel told me after the game they they pre- they were practicing that play, and they knew they were going to have to whip that play out at some point yeah. against Lone Star because that Lone Star defense up to that point hadn't given up more than twenty one points. Even against Highland Park. They yeah. allowed just 10 points to Highland Park a few weeks before. And so Rangel knew they had to pull out all the stops. Was it specifically called something like Bronco? It was called Bronco. Yes. Bronco. Yeah. Uh, named after Boise State. That twitches every time we say yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, wow, that's yeah, a, a very, very worthy selection. It's not only just game of the year, but uh, perhaps the play of the year in Texas oh, yeah. high school football. Or mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Um, well, after the after the Hail, Hail Mary, Mary yeah, against yeah, 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 Northern yeah. Duncanville, yeah, obviously that notwithstanding. <laughs> um, Taylor, what was your uh, your pick for game of the year? Well, like my newcomer of the year, I didn't see a whole lot of barn burners uh, this year, but <laughs> I know, I know, it was a it was a weird year in, in my uh, my neck of the woods. But I did see one pretty interesting game between uh, Lovejoy and Lake Dallas. It was it was interesting in the fact that basically one team played the first half and one team played the second half and and um that that team in the first half was lovejoy uh they got up to a a 28 to nothing lead and i had almost written the game off at that point i know how prolific ryan deversmith's career was at lake dallas um you know how explosive they can be but at the same time it was it was 28 to nothing um it there was a little resistance from lake dallas it seemed like 28 to nothing was the beginning and we were on our way to 35 to nothing to 42 like Mm -hmm. it was it seemed over and then all of a sudden you know they start to charge back a little bit and at the half it was 31 14 i believe so they they charge back a little bit but still you know the game's a little out of the reach and then the lovejoy offense just shut down they didn't score in the second half they hardly did anything in the second half and lake dallas at by the by the time it was all said and done after being down 28 to nothing lake dallas went on a 27 to 3 run but if you do the math, that means they lose thirty-one to twenty-seven. So yeah. it was one of the wackiest, just swingiest games I've seen mm-hmm. um, in a long time, and, and it, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, it was entertaining, especially right at the very end. Lake Dallas lined up, I think, at the Lovejoy eighteen or twenty or somewhere around there, with like four seconds left on the clock. Um, obviously, need a touchdown uh, to win the football game, and, and came close. Yeah. Um, but you know, it wasn't to be. Sean Sumner sacked uh, Ryan Depperschmidt, and, and that was the end. Lovejoy went crazy, so it ended up being a lot more. More entertaining than, than it looked like it would be at twenty eight to nothing, um, but also very strange. So I guess you know for all of those aspects combined, I'll give it my game of the year. And those are uh, those are our picks at least for a few of the uh, all area cutting room floor superlatives. But um, we've got the rest of the staff: Justin Thomas, Kendrick Johnson, Devin Hassan, going to come on in the second, give their picks for the aforementioned superlatives, and we will see what they had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Well, welcome back. We've uh, switched up the uh, lines and rotations here. So, um, Justin Thomas, Denton County Sports Reporter, and I'm being joined by our McKinney guy, Kendrick Johnson, and our Mesquite Reporter, Devin Hassan. So, guys, we're uh, finishing up the uh, Cutting Room Floor Awards, um, looking at some of the games, performances, and some of the top newcomers we covered on the gridiron this season. So, um, how about Kendrick? Any uh, game kind of jump out to you that you covered this year that kind of leaves no doubt as to what was the uh, most entertaining? <clears throat> just from <clears throat> just from an emotional standpoint, I got to give it to the Crosstown Showdown. But Kenny hadn't won in nine years. They desperately wanted to win, had to win to get into the playoffs. So they beat Boyd for the first time in nine years and get in the playoffs the first time at MISD Stadium. So it was a very dramatic conclusion, and which ended up being the last game for Don Drake. So that yeah. game had a lot of crossroads <laughs> and like a pretty big celebration afterwards. They took a big, um, I don't know if you've been to MISD Stadium. They had, like this, they had this grass thing in, the, in, the, in one end zone. They posted up by the McKinney logo under the the big jumbotron yeah. 
into this now famous picture. <laughs> uh, Devin, anything uh, jump out to you? Uh, you know, and, and, and typically we, we try to, I guess when we pick a game of the year, you talk about uh, a, a t- one of your teams that you cover uh, yeah. in one of their highlights. Mine is actually a game that uh, was a loss for one of okay. my uh, schools, and that was Tyler John Tyler against Poteet. Uh, John Tyler wins 48-44. to 44. Uh, just an incredible back and forth game. Uh, John Tyler jumps out twenty-one nothing in the first quarter. Boteet starts to battle back. Um, they finally get over the hump, and you think this is going to be this incredible finish for Boteet as Seth mm-hmm. McGowan scores with fifteen seconds left. I mean, fifteen seconds left yeah. uh, to take a forty-four forty-one lead, uh, but that was enough time for Tyler John Tyler, uh, Devlin Woods uh, to Keandre Street. That was a, a connection that uh, Poteet could not stop all game long. Uh, they hit for three earlier touchdowns, and the fourth one was the dagger. Uh, yeah. One second left of the clock, and they throw the Hail Mary, and Keandre Street jumps up between three Poteet defenders, pulls it down. Uh, just a, a really, really good game uh, between two very high-quality teams. I mean, Poteet lost nearly in the first round to a very good college station team who was a defending state champion who would go on to lose to Highland Park the following week in another close game. And then uh, John Tyler is going to be kicking himself all offseason for blowing that three-touchdown lead against Highland Park uh, in, the, in the quarterfinals in a game uh, you know that they had every right to, to, to believe that they should have won. And um, obviously Highland Park goes on and wins its third straight championship. And John Tyler is left wondering, it could have been us. So, But great game. Why about you? Uh, I almost picked one of your uh, your markets, actually. Um, obviously, the first game of the year, that Coppell Saxy game was pretty thrilling. And, of course, you know, with, yeah, the, ba- with the backstory of Caden Davis missing the, the uh, extra point in overtime a yeah. year ago, and the then coming back in the very first game of the year and hitting a 57-yard field goal. But, actually, that is not my choice. Um, I'm gonna, tease. Yeah, tease. Yeah, I, I, you know me. I have a tough time picking one thing. Um, I'm going to actually pick the Flower Mound Louisville game, the uh, District 66A opener, just um, looking back on what the importance of that game and everything. It ended up being the de facto championship game in the district. It was a game Louisville led um, by 20 points with three. They scored a touchdown with three minutes left in the third quarter to go up 30, or excuse me, 20. And then Flower Mound really just kind of roars back, comes all the way back and wins that game. A couple uh, special team snafus by Louisville that kind of helped Flower Mound. And I guess the other cool thing that looking back at that game is um, who Blake Short, the Flower Mound quarterback, would end up being the district uh, offensive player of the year. He actually didn't start that game. They started with... Um, you know, their offense, they were coming off a, a hard fought, a big loss against Prosper, so they actually went with Jake Welch at quarterback for the first half, um, just trying to give a little more running element to the position. Short actually comes back under center a- after halftime, leads a touchdown drive on the first drive. You can see kind of the enthusiasm picking up and um, ends up leading that big comeback in the, se- in the fourth quarter and then, as I said, just carried that momentum all the way to Offensive Player of the Year uh, wow. honors that year. So that was a real fun one. Ended up being the uh, determining the district champion, Flyer Mountain, ended up undefeated. Louisville had just that one loss. So, and who would have uh, thought that back then? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I know. So that's, uh, that's my choice for the, uh, for the best game that I covered. Performance of the year. I'm going to stick with Flower Mound, actually. And they're... Uh, going to go with their whole offense in their mound showdown game <laughs> against Marcus. The reason I say the whole offense, how, do you have, you, how, you many times, how many times have you guys covered a game in which the quarterback threw for 300 yards and the running back ran for 300 yards? That's pretty rare for, <laughs> I'm, I'm for, uh, for, rare for me. Um, Pierce Hodges actually, by my count, had one yard shy. He had 299 yards, but he did have a 16-yard catch. So he had 300 total yards of offense, but 299 rushing yards, five touchdowns. 
Uh, Blake Short throws for 324 yards and two touchdowns, and they beat Marcus 59-21. That's their most lopsided win in the series, the most points they've ever scored in the series. They finished with almost 700 yards of offense as a team. And like I said, quarterback and a running back both going for 300 yards, pretty rare. So I went with the uh, Flower Mound offense and their Mound Showdown win over the Marauders. I was going to say, and that was kind of a statement. Cause yeah, I, I would I, say so too. Me personally, and I, I, I know it's just one person, I kept waiting for Flower Mound to yeah. come back down to earth. Yeah, I think and, I might have they, actually they, picked Marcus in that game, and, and, actually. And they just they, they kept winning, but that was the game you thought, the yeah. rivalry game. This is when they actually do come crashing back yeah. down. And I thought that, that, you know, like you say, was one of their best performances of the season. Yeah, definitely. How about um, you, Devin? I, I went um, – I turned to the first round of the playoffs, uh, Jermaine Givens over at Horn. Um, last season, he was the district most valuable player, uh, just put up video game-like numbers. Uh, during Horn's slow start, um, you know, his, his, his kind of stats reflected that. He, he wasn't able to put up the same kind of numbers uh, stat-wise that he did a year ago, uh, but he saved his best for last. Uh, Horn comes in uh, with a 3-7 and seven record uh, against a Temple team that was the runner-up in a very good 12-6-8 uh, against Waco Midway, and uh, Jermaine Givens, 20 of 26 for 293 yards and three touchdowns, 17 carries for 211 yards and a touchdown, yeah, so pretty good. more than 500 yards of total offense, which is kind of the kind of performance he was putting together a year ago um, on his way to MVP honors, uh, but he <coughs> saved that for the right time. He throws in a 38-yard touchdown pass to Kelsey Emery with just 11 seconds left. That proves to be the game winner as Horn kind of pulls the upset upset in the minds of many uh, on their way to the regional semifinals after that 0-1-7 start. But uh, Jermaine Gibbons is a capable uh, player. You know, he's capable of those types of performances, but he he saved it for the right time this past season. Kendrick, who really uh, dropped your jaw this year? Mine's what even uh, uh, it was a team. Yeah. McKinney North scored 90 points. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It beat Wiley East, and 48 of them came in the second quarter. Yeah, they it didn't was score in the first quarter, right? It was 48 0 at halftime. They had six people score touchdowns. They had <laughs> 90 points in three quarters. They had four people score more than one touchdown, and they had three rushers go over 140 yards. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I got to give it to a, t- a team thing for them because. That was, yeah, you won't see that again. So, what was their team rushing stats? They had what, eight rushing touchdowns and what, five hundred yards? That's yeah, crazy. They ran for four sixty. They passed for two hundred five. Yeah. Quarterback Dylan Marcos was eleven thirteen for for four tubs. <laughs> yeah, that's quite the offensive uh, performance, I would say. Um, how about and they called the dogs off? Yeah. Well, and they did, I can't believe they didn't score in the first quarter. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about for newcomer of the year? Anybody stand out in your markets there? Newcomer of the year, yeah, it's, it's kind of debatable. If I, if I was going to give a newcomer of the year, I give it to um, Manny Fincher from McKinney North. He had a very solid season. He ran for eight hundred yards total. Had a good overall year. He split time with Hunter Shea, and I expected big things out of him. For some reason, North always finds somebody that can be a thousand yard rusher. Yeah. This year it was Hunter Shea. Next year, barring injury, it will be Manny Fitcher, and he has potential to go for two thousand. For me, I'm going to take um, Coppell freshman linebacker Walker Polk. He was. Um Named the district's uh, newcomer of the year, and for good reason. Stepped right in for the Cowboys. Had as a freshman linebacker, you know, playing in that district against, you know, some of those offensive linemen and the size that that district has. And as a freshman, he all he did was put up 116 tackles, <laughs> seven for a loss, forced a fumble, had a couple sacks. So um, 
dynamic debut season for Polk, and I'm I'm guessing you're going to see a lot more 100 plus tackle seasons from him coming down the way. Kind of <laughs> kind of reminds me a lot of what we saw from uh, Connor Lee at Flower Mound here a couple of years ago, and everybody knows the career he ended yeah. up having. I mean, that absolutely if it's your stats, 932 for 13 tubs. You spent carries as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's going to be the next North Bell cow there. Yeah. Uh, Devin, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jaden Brown, the linebacker over at Mesquite. Uh, you know, seeing Mesquite a couple times, even early on this season, it's just, you know, there's some some guys that just kind of jump off the field, you know, as yeah. you're watching the press box. And you, just, you, just, you know, you're trying to keep track, and you, they seem to be in on every tackle. And Jaden Brown was one of those kids, just a sophomore, like I say. But he finishes uh, with 114 tackles, uh, two for loss, a uh, couple of uh, Sacks, um, but just you know, like a, you know, just having a nose for the football mm-hmm. um, for that middle linebacker position, and just uh, really impressive uh, for a sophomore. And uh, like you, you said, uh, you know, uh, more hundred tackle seasons on the way. Yeah, I, I expect the same thing from Jaden Brown. All right, anything else, guys? It's bittersweet. Yeah, we no, no more football no podcasts. More football. So we have to, yeah. On a personal note, I was at the, I was at the North Shore um, Duckerville game on the sideline. I'm like on Texas football. Like you see me just yeah, chilling. Yeah. So it's not the best game of for all time. For the chaos yeah. there. Shout out to North Shore. Number one team in the nation. So that'll about do it. As you alluded, Devin, we'll be back later this week. Uh, our podcast will be start focusing more on soccer as we move into the uh, second semester here and into more of these uh, soccer basketball excuse me uh, <laughs> soccer is coming too it did start this uh, this week actually Flower so. Mount McKinney School is about to be putting in some work on that soccer field but yeah we'll be hitting on girls basketball later this week and uh, as we get going here with the second semester in 2019 so thanks you guys for uh, joining us Thanks for checking out this edition of the Start Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.